The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get. And we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa Campion, and this is the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss the world of healing. If you're new to the show, I'm super happy to have you here. And if you've been coming along for the ride for a while, welcome back. So here's an interesting and sort of terrifying fact that chronic pain is really a U.S. epidemic and one third of Americans suffer from some level of chronic pain. That means 30 million people are compromised by chronic pain. And the effective treatments, you know, are are hard to come by, especially ones that don't have narcotics involved in them. And the current approaches that we have are, you know, I don't know, they don't always seem to work. And if you're a chronic pain sufferer, I know you're knowing exactly what I'm talking about. Good thing that we have people like Dr. David Hanscom, who is an orthopedic surgeon. He's kind of learned how to manage his own pain and has written some really good books about helping you learn how to manage yours and what's underlying chronic pain that we have anyway. So welcome to our show, David. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I love this topic. And I was really horrified to hear that so many people suffer from chronic pain. Well, I actually think it's a lot worse than that. So the data shows about 130 million people suffer from chronic pain. About a third of those, like you said, are disabled by it, maybe more. And what we have found out the last three years is that we dove very deeply into the neuroscience research. And it turns out that mental pain is by far away the biggest problem. So what we have discovered, I would say discovered, uncovered, the data has been there for a long time, is that every chronic disease, mental or physical, has the same root cause. And that's chronic inflammation and what we call hypermetabolism, where your body consumes its own fuel. So what happened, your body basically destroys itself. Everything gets inflamed, including your brain. You're sensitized. And so you end up feeling symptoms that that ordinarily you would not feel. Mm -hmm. So I'll just really, the one message I want to give the world today is that chronic pain is completely solvable. If you get the diagnosis correct right now, for some reason, the world of medicine has gone down a rabbit hole of everything being structural, but it's based on your body's chemistry. And once you address the body's chemistry and calm things down, people's pain goes away. Wow. Does that have to do more with inflammation? Like what's, you, we talk about emotional stuff. We talk about inflammatory response. What, what does it come down to? Do you think? Well, as one of my friends says, it's all the quote, same soup. In other words, we know that anxiety, depression, bipolar, OCD, and schizophrenia are actually all inflammatory disorders. Every one of them. They are not psychological. Same thing with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, cardiac disease, obesity, diabetes, osteoporosis, cancer, fibromyalgia, they are all inflammatory disorders. 
So the essence of chronic disease is actually chronic inflammation and what we call hypermetabolism, where your body consumes its own fuel. So <clears throat> we've known for at least 60 years, maybe longer, that stress kills people, causes serious diseases, causes illnesses. And the thing in medicine that we're not answering very well is why? Well, again, the answer why is your body's fired up. It's like driving a car down the freeway in second gear. It eventually breaks down. So what happens is that we treat all these symptoms structurally, where 90% of these are actually what we call physiological. And when I say physiological, it means how does the body function? So an example I'd like to use is that of a parked car. A parked car has no symptoms. You have to turn the car on before it has symptoms. The human body is way more complex. There's lots of things that can be just a little bit out of balance to cause the body not to run correctly. So it's the body's physiology, how it functions, that creates symptoms. It's not a bone spur. It's not osteoporosis. It's how the body functions that stimulates the pain circuits to actually fire up. And is, um, is it all down to stress or does our diet have a significant role to play with, the in, with inflammation? Well, there's a model I have called dynamic healing, where every living creature has to survive. That's what our biological mandate is. We're going to act in ways to survive. So we have what's called the input or your threats or your circumstances, or what I call just stress. We keep thinking that stress is psychological, but stress is just your, your body's environment that threatens your survival. So you have the input, then you have the state of the nervous system, which can be either calm or hypervigilant. Then you have the output or your body's chemical state. So working backwards, the essence of all chronic disease, mental and physical, is sustained exposure to what we call threat physiology. You're in fight or flight. So the physiology is in fight or flight. So the essence of chronic disease is sustained exposure to fight or flight chemistry. The essence of healing is giving your body cues of safety, which changes your body's chemistry dramatically. So that's the output. So the nervous system is how it processes your stresses or your environment. And so things that you can do to calm down the nervous system is exercise makes a big difference. Anti-inflammatory diet, um, sleep is a huge factor. Sleep is almost number one. And then trauma therapy comes into play that if you were raised in an abusive environment, the data is deep with thousands of papers showing if you're raised in an abusive environment, your brain, has been, your brain is programmed to be on high alert. And it stays on high alert the rest of your life. It's like having a feral cat. So you can't fix a feral cat. You have to retrain it and actually repair it. So where trauma theory comes in, you literally have to rebuild your nervous system. Then the final part, the input, is what do you choose to put into your brain? So that's where forgiveness comes into play, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness, relaxation. We don't let people discuss their pain. So you're changing the input. You're increasing the resiliency of the nervous system. And then you're actually lowering the output. So again, the essence of healing is lowering your time and stress physiology. It's not going away. I mean, if we don't have anxiety and frustration, you can't survive. That's how we evolved. That's how we survived. The key point here is that we think the mental pain is a far bigger problem than the physical pain because one thing that's not been documented to occur is that your thoughts, the term is unpleasant, repetitive thoughts, URTs is the research term, is that your consciousness creates the same part, it goes to the same part of the brain as a physical threat, shares the same circuits, and creates the same physiology. But since we can't escape our thoughts, we're all exposed to some degree of chronic stress physiology. Which even worse is you, if you repress or suppress these thoughts, 
actually fires things up more. Wow. Repression of negative thoughts actually shrinks the hippocampus of your brain, which is the memory center. So whether you express your thoughts or repress them, either way, you're actually affecting your body's physiology. So it's really like our state of consciousness is what you're saying is what it boils down to. Well, I think, and some people are starting to come around to this thinking, is, is that your the essence of chronic pain is actually your consciousness. Yeah. And so one final thing I'd like to say before going into some of the solutions here is that, so, okay, you're in fight or flight, and what you feel when you're in fight or flight, you feel anxious. So it's supposed to feel unpleasant. It's a survival reaction. And so it's powerful. It's automatic. It's hardwired. And there's a friend of mine, Bruce Lipton, who says it so clearly is that anxiety and anger are automatic hardwired responses. We have no control over them. They're automatic. They are a million times stronger than your conscious brain. A million to one. So you have, but they're actually a gift. So you have these massive anxiety and anger reactions, which are simply how you feel when you're in fight or flight. So anxiety is what we call a, is a physiological state. It is a result of stress. It's not the cause. So we're trying to pull anxiety out of the diagnostic coding manual. Just use the word activated threat response or activated threat physiology, whatever, or activated stress response. So those, so the sensation that you have when you feel threatened by anything, societal thoughts, physical the sensation you have is what humans call anxiety. My cat has the same response, but she doesn't have language to put onto it. So instead of seeing like a, anxiety is like a mental health issue, seeing it as a physio, normal physiological response to our environment. Correct. Exactly right. That's nicely said. But it's the driving force that creates psychological diagnosis and behavior. So in other words, we'll do anything to avoid the sensation. That's what we're programmed to do. So that's where addictions come into play, personality disorders, control issues, all sorts of psychopathology results from the driving force to, to avoid the sensation. But in and of itself is a physiological state. It is not a psychological diagnosis. That's so interesting. I'm, I was, I've also been really interested by the work of Dr. Daniel Amen, who he's in New York mm-hmm. City, and he's like really also looking at sort of brain injury caused by inflammation and other, right. other things as being like the... Um, driving factor behind behavioral behavioral problems and issues yeah super super interesting and kind of a relief that there's a um something we can do because for so long those things have been mysterious treatments mental health treatments don't work most of the time either right well i quit my surgical practice because of this because we have seen hundreds and hundreds of patients have all the symptoms disappear so I had 17 different physical symptoms myself for 17 years. I'm sorry, 15 years. I had 17 different physical and mental symptoms. They are gone. Wow. So the reason why the process, I think, has been pretty effective is that I went through it myself. Most of the time, I made more mistakes than successes. But every time something seemed to work, I, I would keep pursuing it. So I thought anxiety was psychological. I went to psychotherapy for 13 solid years. And I'm not against psychotherapy, but what happens is that the solution lies in what's called neuroplasticity. Hmm. In other words, your brain's going to develop where it replaces attention. So one of the tenets of treatment is that we never let people discuss their pain or complain or gossip or give unasked for advice because you're, what you're doing, you're firing up the nervous system. Right. So if you're always trying to fix your pain, fix your pain, you're actually reinforcing the pain. Like pain, 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 like that's where your focus is. Right. And, pro- and what we have found out through our workshops is that probably... Most people in chronic pain, including myself, 
spend at least half the time, their conscious hours talking about their pain. They complain, wow. they, com- they just, I mean, you just start listening really carefully to your friends that are in pain. And I get it. I did this for 15 years. You're, you want to get out of this thing. But if you're going to learn French, you've got to practice French. You're not going to learn French by trying to fix your English. You're not going to learn French by complaining about French and English. Right. And so same thing, our survival <laughs> language is, our, our default language is survival. That's what we're programmed to do. We are not programmed just to have a good time. So there's two parts to healing. So basically to learn a new language, you have to practice what I call practicing joy. So it sounds out there, but the research shows that that energy actually lowers your inflammatory markers. So again, that's why we think the mental pain is the bigger deal because human consciousness, you can't escape it. We can't escape your thoughts. It's impossible. But there's ways of separating from them. I call it developing a working relationship with anxiety and anger and let it do what it's supposed to do. It protects you. It's a gift. Then as you separate your identity from this really unpleasant reaction, then your conscious brain gets to develop over here. But they're separate skills. If you're trying to have a good time to distract yourself, it's a mismatch. It's a million to one mismatch. So you learn how to empirically every day, multiple times a day, just automatically start to process anxiety and anger. You're triggered, you're triggered. And then the healing occurs as you choose to move into joy, just a little mantra, choose joy. Then going into Bruce Lipton's work, we put a series of four videos together about this, is that as your brain goes into what I call the spiritual journey, it's actually incredibly healing because you're not creating new circuits. So instead of being focused on not good enough, not good enough, or this, this, and this, or get rid of my pain, we're actually into good food, good wine, good friends, new hobbies, whatever it is that you enjoy, but you're not doing that to compensate for the anxiety and anger because you can't do that. So there are two separate skill sets of processing anger and anxiety. And then another process. I mean, we're not taught, most of us aren't taught in a lifetime to nurture joy. That's not part of our training, right? It's not. Yeah. I think, and I would say we actually have anti-training for that. We have training to not do that. Exactly. God's going to somehow strike you dead if you're happy. Like I'm from New England and we're Puritans over here and, Right. You know, you get you get stoned to death and, you know, in the town square if you're happy. Right. So and that's a really a big conversation. I love to have this as a separate topic on our on the show, because these obsessive thought patterns come from our programming. I mean, we are as human beings who everybody else thinks we're supposed to be. Our parents, our teachers, our friends, our peers, marketing keeps telling us who we should be. But we spend our energy being that person thinking about it, reinforcing it, but it's, we're, we're not connected to who we are. So there's a whole process. So remember, a lot of our survival reactions are in there. They're unpleasant. So training yourself to be with this, quote, unpleasant reactions is a huge part of the process. Because if you fight them, your attention on those reactions, they become stronger. So especially with these obsessive thought patterns, which I think are a huge problem. Again, I think the essence of chronic pain are these unpleasant thought patterns that nobody can escape. I had a full-blown obsessive compulsive disorder I had for at least 10 years, maybe longer. So it's manifested by really extreme intrusive thoughts. But as I talk to people that are suffering, a lot of us have, and mine are gone, by the way. It's a bit of a story how to get rid of those. So you have to both divert the thoughts and actually calm down the nervous system to solve the problem. But most people I talk to, especially those in pain, have these unpleasant thought patterns. It drives us crazy. 
Yeah, most people think they can't get rid of their thought. Like people, most people would be like, well, you can't. I mean, I've learned how to do it through really like powerful spiritual practice, you know, has taught me that I can actually control my thinking, which I would have said would be impossible. Right. So I want to hear more about that. Let's take a real quick break for just a second and come back and talk about that. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We are back here with Dr. David Hanscom and his book, Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. Such fascinating conversation we're having here today about the roots of chronic pain. And David, I know that you have this healing model for helping people get rid of those intrusive thoughts, which most of us have no idea how to do that. We can't control our thinking. We're at the mercy of our thoughts. Right. I know that's not true. I'm super happy that, but I wouldn't have known that a couple of years ago. I would absolutely right. stake my life on the fact that I could not control my thinking. Correct. So what, what do we do about that? So I have a model that I call dynamic healing. So as I mentioned before, when you're trying to escape your thoughts, we call them unpleasant repetitive thoughts, why it fires up your body's physiology. So you're in fight or flight. Then when you suppress these thoughts, which most of us do because we don't know what, what else to do, is that it fires up the physiology even more. Mm-hmm. But it's even more ironic that if we just get into an obsessive play pleasure mode, it fires up the inflammatory process even more. Wow. That's a catch-22. So, where do we go then? Right. So again, going to the healing model is that part of the process is that anxiety and anger are survival reactions. They're necessary. They're highly inflammatory. <clears throat> they put you in fight or flight and it's unpleasant. They're supposed to be unpleasant. So there's a process I call dynamic healing that the bottom line is that the essence of chronic illness, not just chronic pain, chronic pain obviously is one of those, is sustained exposure to fight or flight physiology. So I'm going to talk about the three different portals of lowering the physiology. And again, each person does it on their own, on their own way of doing it. There's no, no exact answer here. So the essence of chronic disease is sustained exposure to fight or flight chemistry. The essence of healing is maximizing your exposure to safety. Now, you can't get rid of fight or flight because you wouldn't survive. You survive right. about two minutes because you wouldn't even breathe. You'd walk out in yeah. front of a car. It's just so hardwired into our neural system and the kind of the part of our nervous system we don't really have direct access with our cognitive mind. Right. Well, we do and we don't, but you're, you're absolutely correct on that. So the first portal is the output. I mean, how do you directly lower the body's physiology? It's an inflammatory state. Your cytokines are little proteins that fire up the immune system are fired up in your brain as well as your entire body. So there's a nerve in the body called the vagus nerve. It's the 10th cranial nerve, which is the most anti-inflammatory nerve in the entire body. It goes to every organ in your body. So it's from the autonomic nervous system. And so there's ways of stimulating the 10th cranial nerve, the vagus nerve. So for instance, humming stimulates the 7th cranial nerve, which is close to the vagus nerve. 
certain pitches of music stimulate the vagus nerve, breath work, slow breathing, different breathing techniques actually directly stimulate the vagus nerve. Mm. And so on a given day when you're anxious and agitated, again, anxiety is simply the sensation you feel when you're in fight or flight. So when you're feeling agitated or anxious, just breath work calms things down. Rubbing your forehead. That's why they say take a breath, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but it's not psychological. What you're doing, you're directly stimulating the vagus nerve to actually calm down your inflammation. Mm -hmm. So those are some examples of the output. There's many techniques to do that. So remember, on a given day, you'll use a given set of these techniques based on how you're feeling, what you're doing, what you need to do. So the second thing is the nervous system. So if your nervous system is on high alert, it takes less stress to set off the fight or flight response. So the number one thing is sleep. So during sleep, you actually empty out the waste products in your brain through the lymphatic system. You actually lower the inflammation and lack of sleep actually causes chronic back pain. It's actually not the other way around. So there's a bunch of ways of getting sleep. And so again, in chapter 14 of my book, why sleep is mentioned really deeply. When I work with patients in practice, sleep is always number one. Nothing's going to happen without sleep. Second thing is exercise is highly anti-inflammatory. Third thing, which is a big one, is diet. If you're eating a highly processed food diet that's inflammatory, guess what? Everything's fired up. It's a big problem. And the final thing is on the nervous system is that this is where trauma therapy comes into place, is that you can't fix past trauma. You essentially have to rebuild your nervous system. And it takes a very skilled trauma therapist to do that, which are now, now more and more of those are coming into practice. But talk therapy doesn't work. You can't fix it. You have to literally rebuild your nervous system. And the metaphor I mentioned really briefly before, if you have a feral cat, you can't touch this cat. It's been on its own since birth. It doesn't trust anybody or anything, which it shouldn't. So to teach this cat to feel safe is what you're doing to your own nervous system. So you learn to be kind to yourself, learn to you know, nurture yourself, just like this cat learns needs to learn to be nurtured. So anyway, what you're doing is increasing the resiliency of the nervous system. The final thing is the input, which is a big one. And there's two questions. What are you loading into it? And what are you holding on to? Okay. So let's talk about what you're loading into it. So one of the cardinal things that we do is that I have a book in front of me called Opening Up by Writing It Down. It's called Expressive Writing. Mm. There's over 2,000 research papers now that document that simply writing down your thoughts actually calms down the nervous system. It improves wound healing, it lowers inflammatory markers, it improves autoimmune disorders, it improves school performance. I mean, it's unbelievable what expressive writing does. That's incredible. So like journaling, where you know, I've been doing journaling since I was little, and it really actually has a physiological response to journaling. Right. Well, but you have to tear it up. Mm. So you don't hold on to it. I always burn my journals. I finish them and I burn them. That's perfect. So here's the deal. So the original research is done on expressing negative thoughts. I mean, every human being has a very small percent of the brain. There's crazy, bizarre, despicable thoughts. And of course, you toss them aside. Unfortunately, you just gave them neurological energy. So with the writing exercise, you turn them up for two reasons. One of them is that you want to write with absolute freedom. The more dark the thoughts are that come out, the, the better. But you have to be careful. I mean, a lot of people can react to that pretty quickly. So any writing separates you. So it's just a separation exercise. It like pulls it out of your body and puts it on a piece of paper and then you can get rid of it. And it's like yeah. gone out of your system. We're not getting, no, well, partially. So you're, you're, you're separating from the thoughts. But remember there's trillions of thoughts. So you can't get rid of all these things. So 
What happens though, if you keep them and analyze them, your attention's on the problem. So you're tearing them up actually not to analyze them because it's just a separation exercise. So it's not the final solution, but nobody gets better. Honestly, swear to God, nobody gets better without this one exercise. Again, over wow. 2000 research papers says that it works. Well, that's Second thing is mindfulness. I call it active meditation for three to five seconds. I mean, just sit back in your chair for a second, drop your shoulders, take a deep breath. That's it. Just do that throughout the day, three to five seconds. What you're doing, you're taking your brain from racing thoughts to a different sensation. So just feel the back of your chair for a second. And it's one of those things you, again, you're changing the input. So where mindfulness comes into play is you're changing the sensory input from thoughts to a different sensation. So cognitive behavioral therapy, you're looking at cognitive distortions and realizing that these are not real. And the beauty of recognizing cognitive distortions like should thinking, labeling, etc., is that they're not real in the first place. So there's nothing you have to do. So those processes, like those therapies that sort of help us disidentify from our thinking, right. like our, whether it's meditation or, you know, CBT or all these other therapeutic processes are like, I have thoughts, but I am not my thoughts. Right. That kind of also creates that separation. Absolutely. But see, again, put it, but see, the, the key issue with all of this is that, see, CBT by itself has not been shown to work very well in chronic pain except it's one of the basic tools. In other words, it's always a combination that solves the problem. Right. So CBT and writing could be 20%. C could be 20%. Exercise, another 10%. So for a given person, everybody is different. It's always a unique set of combinations. Yeah. So again, CBT changes the input. The number one factor that really determines healing or not is anger. Forgiveness is input. In other words, what are you wow. learning into your brain, but what are you holding on to? So the way consciousness works, if you're still angry at your parents from 20 years ago, your parents might as well be sitting right next to you. When you're just living in the past traumas, if it's currently happening right now, which just kind of like really digs down those neural pathways we have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But your this. body's physiology is really fired up. Mm -hmm. And so, again, <laughs> this sounds a little bit odd. I don't like the word forgiveness anymore. It's too big of a word. So you just learn, there's, there's a whole bunch of tools of processing anger. So why do you want to let somebody that you dislike strongly ruin your day today? It doesn't make sense. We still all do it. But again, I want to emphasize with this dynamic healing model that maybe you forgave your unpleasant boss from years ago. But when my friend Fred Luskin pointed out, who wrote the book, book Forgive for Goods, that every time you think about that boss, you're going to fire up. We also get triggered every day. So it's just a learned skill to acknowledge anger, process it. It's never going to go away. Again, it's part of a survival reaction that we need it. So you have to be recognized that you're angry first, and then you take the deep breath, and then you move on. I take it all out in the boxing gym. Yeah. So the boxing gym is very good for my mental health, and I go in yeah. there and like, or the dance floor, leave it all, you know, right. leave it all somewhere. And for me, right. it's like a physical release of that is then you know super beneficial yeah because i think anger also like has some positive sides like it can really show us when we need to move into action or we you know somebody's crossed our boundaries it can if you harness the energy at least for me if i harness the energy of that it's a little bit of a get up and go call right. to action for me well again anxiety and anger are both gifts it's how we evolve it's how we stay alive so no you can't get rid of anger and anxiety and so by trying to get rid of it you actually reinforce it but I mean, 95% of people in chronic pain 
are still upset at the employer or person who caused the injury. They're not letting go of the past. They're not, They're not letting processing go. it Mm-mm. and letting it go. Yeah. Right. But you can't just do it with positive thinking either because uh, it's a long story. But It's just sort of wiping things under the rug, like smashing it down into your subconscious or like re- even more grooving it into your nervous system. Right. Or we learn as kids to sort of run that all through our bodies. So my theory about this is having been an energy medicine practitioner you know, and a therapist for 30 years is some people learn that trick of somatizing, you know, like pushing their feelings through their body and making their body do it. And I see those people as the ones who pop chronic pain issues. And you do that your whole life, you get into your fifties and all of a sudden you've, you've got a big problem in your, in your body that needs we need to unwind. And I'm a huge fan of sort of the somatic therapies, the physical based body therapies, talk therapy is great. We need some of that, but of once you had all the realizations and you see the patterns, then getting into the nervous system through the body seems to me, and there's some really great somatic therapies that I, I've seen work wonders on people. So I think, and this is what I, I don't want to rant too much today, but, you know, medicine takes things like somatic therapies, spiritual journey, good food, wine, good friends. They actually have all been documented to be anti-inflammatory. For instance, altruism, giving back, anti-inflammatory. Right. Pet wow. therapy directly lowers inflammatory markers. Somatic Between therapy. Other people, of course, yeah. Right. Feeling gratitude, these things too, like I'm sure is part of it as well. Right. So your consciousness has a huge effect on your immune system. Huge. So your belief systems, do you know Bruce Lipton by chance? Oh, yeah. Or, well, I don't yeah. know him. He's not a friend. Like he is with, I've seen him, you know, I've seen him speak at conferences and I've been a huge admirer for him. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's a friend of mine. And so we put these videos together and I sort of blew him off 10 years ago. And about five years ago, I realized this guy's figured it out. Yeah. And then the neuroscience research the last few years has really confirmed what he's been teaching for a long time is your belief systems actually change your body's genetics. It changes your physiology. Yeah. And so you can't wow. control your physiology, but as he points out, you can reprogram it. So you're actually doing tools that change the structure of your brain. So as you mentioned before, I had the book Back in Control. But but essentially, the third edition of my book is called The DOC Journey, Direct Your Own Care Journey. It's a computer-based course. And you can't go from anxiety and anger to enlightenment in one step. So it represents a sequence of steps. And my patients have gotten pain-free. It's a process. But Irish people spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day to it. In other words, I can read a book about playing golf, but I'm not going to know how to play golf. So I urge people 10, 15 minutes a day to sort of wander through it one little step at a time. And then we also have an app called the Doc Journey app, which is based on our workshops. And it's a little bit more interactive in that my wife's a tap dancer. And she looked at one, me one day as I was trying to develop this app. And she goes, that's not an app. So it has cup songs, juggling scars, dancing kitties, all sorts of stuff. So remember, the antithesis of pain is play. But again, not to distract yourself, but play is a very profound chemical state of oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin. So as you shift into play circuits, your body's physiology changes and symptoms resolve. So in our workshops, within three to five days, most people within the workshops in the period of time went to pain-free. Wow. We just blew this away. But of course, we went back home to the triggers when I came back. But at least the brain tasted something that was powerful. And years later, years later, they're able to learn the skill sets to get back to that spot. So I quit my surgical practice because of this. I'm watching hundreds and hundreds of patients go to pain-free. Chronic pain is a solvable problem. doesn't require surgery. We don't have to do that most of the time. And right. of course, there are 
places and times when we do need those sort right. of extreme medical interventions. We do need those at times, but right. maybe not the solution for the kind of chronic pain that you're talking about right now. Well, and the elephant in the room is that we are treating chronic pain structurally and the burden of chronic disease keeps going through this, going through the roof. So we keep doing the same things that haven't worked for decades. So there's a growing group of people. Um, every person that gets people better. And again, there's more and more slowly coming to light. Of course, you're part of that group. So <laughs> you're actually following the data way more closely than medicine is. <laughs> and so it's there. And so medicine still continues to reject the model. And it's right there. We call it dynamic healing. Again, you have the input, the nervous system, and the output. The idea is that you learn tools to auto-regulate or regulate your own body's physiology. And once you have the tools and you can do whatever you want, this game on. So liberating. I'm so happy that you're talking about this, sharing about this. And if people want to find out more about your work, David, where do they, where do they do that? So um, I would, I would point you to, it's called the, the, the DOC journey.com. It stands for the direct your own journey.com. There's also an app. I also have a book called back in control, a surgeon's roadmap about a chronic pain. It's also hooked to a website that has a massive amount of material on it, which is overwhelming. So just look at it as sort of as a resource. And then part of the dot journey course and app is that we do coaching twice a week in a group setting, which has been very powerful with the group setting. So again, it's about 90% self-directed. You don't need a big pain clinic. And once you understand the problem that we have people direct their own care, you actually ask your clinicians for guidance and resources. And once you take control of your own care, which sounds harder than it actually is. It actually is my patients state over and over again that once they come out of this hole, the solution is disturbingly simple. This is not hard work. What a relief. Yeah. No, so I'm excited about it. And that's why I really I sound enthusiastic about it because I am. I just get I get emails every week of people just been in years and years of chronic pain. And they're so excited when they get a new life. Well thank you so much for Talking with us today, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, because I know it's going to impact tons of people. It already has, and it seems like right where we need to go. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed being on the show. And thanks all of you for listening. If you want to find me, you can find me at lisacampion.com. Hop on over and and uh, say hi to me. I work generally with psychics, healers, and empaths who are wanting to really learn about their gifts and fully step into their gifts, because I think the world needs all the healers it can get, and that's my mission. So come and visit and thank you for being with us today on the Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.